solid framework here. Right, sounds good. Okay, let's kick off then. Hello, I'm Danny Duran, and this is the Infinite Jigsaw Podcast, a place for honest conversation, discovery, and a genuine incentive to improve sense making. In this series of 10 30 minute episodes, I asked my friend Carbon Mike to explain the 10 precepts of foundationism. Mike is the founder of the Foundationist Society, a political movement of people who build things for a living, whose beliefs fall outside the boundaries of traditional left-right politics, a place for those who are conservative on some issues and liberal about others, a secular society, but friendly to believers, forward-looking, although respectful of tradition, with an open-eyed love for country, whilst acknowledging the existence of injustice and the need for change, the society are not revolutionaries and do not believe in burning down the house in order to fix what's wrong with it. Foundationists believe in free markets, but only as vital engines for wealth creation and not as the blueprints for just and functional societies. And they also believe in borders and the defence of borders, but with an understanding that the most important borders are in fact invisible and can only be defended by truth, plainly spoken, a love for order, a hatred of injustice and a courageous trust in one's fellow citizens. Foundationists believe in the individual, but only to the extent that the individual is willing to give up petty tribalism and adopt the responsibilities and civic virtues of citizenship. They believe in the state, but only as a vessel for the sacred fire that burns in the individual. And they have gratitude for the civilization handed down to us by our predecessors. It is the foundation on which we build the future. In the first of the 10 episodes exploring the 10 precepts of foundationism, I asked Mike about precept number one, which is see deeply. In the last episode, we discussed precept number two, which is listen closely. My initial question was, why put listen closely second in the manifesto? And we heard that it is of great utility to keep in mind that seeing and listening are comparative arts and that taken together in a unison of input, they give us a more comprehensive picture of the world. My second question was, what's wrong with the way we are listening currently? And among other points, Mike said that if you are only tuned into the summary the sound of a person's voice, their demeanour, their attitude, albeit engaging aspects, but alone they do not compromise the deep context. Then I asked, how is one to train themselves to listen closely? And Mike told us that focusing on the meaning and the purpose is crucial. What and why is the thing being talked about? The roots of meaning, he said, are to be found in the purpose of speech. My penultimate question was, what is it that we should avoid when listening closely? And jumping to conclusions was highlighted as a pitfall and that the temptation is to focus on your prejudgment of the person who is talking and not the meaning of their speech. Finally, I asked Mike, what are the potential results of not listening closely? And he said that not listening closely boils down to being increasingly liable to miss that bigger picture and to therefore be in danger of making incorrect assumptions and decisions. For Mike's full explanation on how to see deeply and listen closely, please check out previous episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, or just search for the Infinite Jigsaw podcast in your browser. Well, today we are back together to discuss the third precept of the manifesto, which is reason honestly. And I'll be asking a similar set of questions. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Always good to be here. Great to have you here as usual. Okay, let's kick off this time with a slight variation of the first question. Now, you've put reason honestly third in the manifesto. As with the comparative arts of the first two precepts, is the practice of honest reasoning also crucially complementary? Fantastic question. The answer is yes. Yes, because reason is crucial. It's at the crux 
it's where you place the facts you have into a kind of a relationship with each other mm. and develop a higher order picture of what's going on. So not only is it complementary to the first two arts, seeing and listening, it's it's almost directly built on top of them. We see things deeply, we listen to things closely to get all the facts that we can. And then out of the facts that are available to us, the facts that are sensible to us, we use our reason to infer facts that are not available to us and to get an even higher order picture of what's going on. When you say you place the facts you have in relation to each other, could you give us an example, please? Well, let's go. Let's let's wind the clock back to primitive man and primitive man hunting in the forest is in many ways the most fearsome beast in the forest, but in many ways is is the least fearsome because he doesn't have the sharp senses the other animals have. He can't run as fast as they can. He can't see as well as a lot, a lot of the animals can. His his sense of smell is not all that acute, but he has this capacity to reason, to infer things, to take facts that are available and develop new facts which are not available. And so primitive man hunting in the forest, sees some animal tracks on the forest floor. He can't see an animal. He can't hear an animal, can't smell that animal that left those tracks. But he knows somehow that if he follows those tracks, there's going to be an animal at the end of them. This is a human cognitive superpower. It's one of the things I mean when I talk about reasoning. Uh, I'm using reason in a very broad sense. I'm using it in the broadest possible sense, how we infer facts that are unavailable from facts that are available. So that's one example. Wind the clock forward to the present day. You get into your car in the morning, try to start your car, it doesn't start. Why isn't it starting? If you understand, if you have a mental model of how your car works, that is if you understand that it's an internal combustion engine, but that engine is actually spun up by an electric motor, the starter motor, then when you turn the key in the ignition, if you don't hear the starter motor spin up, then the chances are very good that it's an electrical problem, right? Maybe the starter's busted. Maybe the battery's dead. In other words, just with that basic mental model and a, and a handful of facts that are available to you, the car's not starting, you, you're listening for a certain sound, so the presence or the absence of a certain sound, now all of a sudden you have this higher order picture of this fantastically complex system, namely your car. You have inferred new facts. You've developed a deeper picture of reality based on a handful of facts available to you. You've reasoned about the situation. So that's that's what I mean. And of course, those those two examples are, are kind of an are kind of an operational reasoning, the kind of reasoning that we are often called upon to do now with respect to things like politics, culture and civic life, what have you, is a kind of a moral or an ethical reasoning, if you will. But we're using the facts we have to come to conclusions about other things that we can't see. Thank you. Two great examples, one from the deep past and one currently. And let's stick with the current day. And let me ask you, what do you think is faulty with the integrity of some of our reasoning currently? Let's put the disintegration of reason in the current day into two separate categories. There is faulty reasoning happening because people, especially people who have been educated in the last few decades, right, don't mm -hmm. don't know how to think. I mean, Peter Hitchens talks about this all the time. Uh, you know, people go to school, kids go to school, and they're taught what to think instead of how to think. And because that particular long march through the institutions, that that particular kind of destruction 
of our educational framework has been happening for a while now. The many of the people who are responsible for reasoning out loud in public, the people who command these news networks, the people who do so-called analysis, so-called journalists, people, even people writing opinion pieces, they're not much more than hacks. But those people, those elites who are shaping our picture of the world by the pictures they show us on these networks don't even know how to reason themselves. They, they haven't been taught how to think, only what to think. Uh, that's one problem. There's also a sense in which people don't reason because they are disinclined to reason honestly, right? which is which is a different thing. And that, I think, has more to do with, well, I think it has more to do with, I shouldn't say tribal loyalties, I just say it has more to do with group loyalties or ideological biases. And here's the thing, ideological biases are not necessarily a bad thing, and group loyalties are not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, you've heard me talk in favor of tribalism before, in favor mm. of tribes and tribalism. But when you are reasoning about something, when you are trying to develop a higher order picture of the world, then I think it's important to almost separate that picture that you're building from your loyalties. That is to say, you want to find out what is really going on. And that's separate from what should I do about what's going on as a member of so-and-so tribe, for example. You know, people should not just put their tribes aside. They shouldn't just put this to throw over group loyalty. They should not do those things, but they have to segregate that out. Well, in the same way that we, when we talk about virtue, you know, we've talked before about virtue, you know, classical virtue, right? The virtue is the governance of one's passions. To me, when you are trying to reason about things, trying to reason about facts that, that you're being shown, when you're trying to get a picture of the world, it's almost as if your tribal loyalties are part of that set of passions that you have to govern because they're going to cloud the picture for you. Once you've developed a good picture of things, then it, it's your tribal loyalties. It's your connections. It's your family connections. It's all those other important and, and human things that will help you come to a conclusion about what to do about those things. But what, what is happening sometimes require, requires you to step back and not think about things in a purely in a purely tribal way. Thank you, Mike. I think there were some really good points there, especially what you said at the beginning when you said that young people and people in education of, of any age are told what to think and not how to think. I've been speaking to a few teachers recently and um, they're as confused, bemused and put out about having to teach young people in order to get them through exams and not in order to prepare them for life. So I think that's very well said. Um, let me move on to question number three and ask you, how is one to train themselves to reason honestly? I would say uh, one of the best things you can do to train yourself to reason honestly is to emulate the mental disciplines of the people who are, in my mind anyway, some of the best at reasoning honestly. And I'm talking about working class people, people who uh, work with their hands, who work with the trades or in the trades, um, people who do real and consequential things for a living. You know, whether or not a, a plumber, for example, has read Hume or whether he's read classics or, or, you know, read the Greek or what have you. The fact is that this is a man who's going to come into your house, who's going to acquire a set of facts about what's going on with your pipes. You know, if your sink isn't draining correctly or there's a problem with the shower or there's a leak somewhere or what have you. He's going to assemble the, the facts that are available to him and he's going to develop a higher order picture of what the water is doing behind the walls in the pipes of your house 
And this is a kind of a miraculous thing. I mean, it's it's so commonplace that we just take it for granted and, and we move on to kind of the more prosaic thing of grumbling about the plumber's bill, right? But the fact is that this is a perfect example of very high order reasoning that happens all the time. Same thing with people who re- repair cars, by the way. It's the same thing. People who work with systems for a living often work with very complex systems for a living. It's a mark of our civilization that these very complex systems are such an ordinary part of life that we forget how fiendishly complex they are. There are miles of wiring potentially in a modern car, the plumbing system in a modern house. People who work with these systems for a living have evolved a way of reasoning about things that obviously works for them because they get paid. In other words, well, compared to the people who have taken the commanding heights of of, of news and culture and, and these information networks, compared to those people who may have a lot of the alphabet after their name, okay, and who may in fact have read Greek and, and uh, can tell you all about Hume, compared to those people, the people reasoning about the systems in your house or in your car, those people have a check on the extravagance of their reasoning. That is to say, they can come to any number of conclusions, but the conclusions have to be correct. Otherwise, they don't get paid. And that's in stark contrast to the people who are kind of wrong about everything in public all the time and seemingly still get paid. Well, and seemingly get elevated. As we record this, we're in the midst of a, of a viral outbreak that originated on the other side of the world in China. And your your country's policy has been largely dictated by a person, Neil Ferguson, whose reasoning, whose inference has been wrong about almost everything in a spectacularly public way for years now. And this man is driving public policy behind COVID. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, coming back to the core of the question, develop a discipline, a craft, a hobby. Try to keep your hand in disciplines, in practices where there is a wrong answer where you are required to reason about things correctly. I think that's a very good practice for developing that sense of, you know, am I being honest about what's going on? Am I really, am I really good at uh, assembling these facts into a higher order picture? Uh, the, the other thing that you can do to kind of hone that skill of reasoning honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very good to, to listen to people we disagree with in order to test the integrity of our reasoning, right? In other words, am I developing this picture of the world based on these available facts because I'm already inclined to a certain way of looking at the world? For example, am I listening for the truth or am I listening to my fear? And again, in the current scenario, uh, it's a very common thing that people do. People will actually assemble a lot of facts and they will actually be facts, but they will assemble them into a picture that speaks directly to their fear. And any facts that don't speak to their fear kind of go down the memory hole. So the question is, yes, you're correct about X and Y and Z, but are you assembling a specific picture? Are you finding what you're looking for or are you finding what is there? I think that's such an excellent piece of advice to um, practice practical work that requires rules in order to produce a correct result and and equating honest reasoning with practical work. I mean, that's brilliant. It seems that we may have leagues of honest reasoners in our midst and they don't even realize that they have oh. this skill oh absolutely i mean I, I would i would just briefly say uh there's a guy named matthew crawford who wrote a book called shop class as Soulcraft. uh the the initial the essay that kind of gave rise to that book is out on the web at uh, i think it's at um nautilus nautil.us or something like that but uh 
I would recommend anyone to go read that book <laughs> because this guy really nails it, you know, um, and we've it's almost like you said, we have all these honest reasoners around us uh, who are doing who are doing genius level work. Right. But we're we're denigrating them because they don't because it's blue collar work, because they work in the trades, because whatever. But quiet as it's kept, these people are the reason why the world works, <laughs> right? So why the infrastructure works, right? Why the pipes hold water, why the lights turn on. So you just think for a second, who would you rather put your trust in? The people who've created these elaborate kind of intellectual structures out of whole cloth, all floating in the air, or the people whose reasoning is responsible for, you know, why we have climate control and indoor plumbing and electricity and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that book's one for the book list. Let me move on to question four and ask you what are the things you think that we might have to be mindful of that may corrupt honest reasoning? Two things primarily. One is disembodiment, disconnectedness. Again, we've said, and I think it is true, that when you're reasoning, you're taking facts that you have inferring facts you don't have. And you can infer a great many facts that you don't have. And some of those facts that you infer might be wrong. In fact, a, a great many of those can be wrong. And, and the postmodernists, post-structuralists say correctly, it's possible to look at things in any way to infer any kind of picture from the available facts. And that's true. But not all of the pictures are equally correct. Not all the pictures are equally valid. Not all of the pictures have utility. And again, when your reasoning is disembodied, when it's disconnected from reality, from 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 the from the ground of daily life, uh, from the ground of, of of the actual problems you're trying to solve, then there is a risk that your reasoning will go off in directions that are simply not productive or even counterproductive. So watch out for disembodiment disconnectedness. And how do you watch out for that? Well, you, you circle back to those basic foundationist questions. What is this thing that I'm looking at? What is its meaning? What is its purpose? What is it for? That's a very, since I believe that the roots of things are to be found in their purpose, in their deep purpose, you lay down roots, right? You, 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 kind, of, you kind of ground yourself again in reality by going back to these basic questions. What is this thing? What is it for? I would say also abandoning common sense, Certainly, we've been in in this war that we're in the middle of this this kind of soft war, this culture war. We've been besieged by people whose explicit mission it is to destroy common sense, and that's a problem because, of course, these facts that you lay out in juxtaposition to each other, in the process of reasoning, they are laid out on a surface, so to speak, and that surface is common sense. That surface is a is a is a common mental model of the world. We talked before about, you know, starting your car, reasoning about what's wrong with your car. The facts available to you don't make any sense unless they are laid out in the framework of a mental model of how cars work. It's an internal combustion engine, but it's got a, an electric starter. It's a fuel pump. It's whatever. OK. And once you have that common understanding, that common sense model, then you can begin to infer useful things with the facts available to you. If you lack common sense, if you've been educated uh, in a system that has done its best to destroy common sense, then you can no longer reason. And worse yet, you can no longer reason with other people. We can't reason together if we don't have common sense, a sense of what is common to all of us and a sense of how things work 
at the core. You have to have a philosophy of things. And your philosophy of things is actually important because actually, mm. if your philosophy of things is off, then your reasoning will be off. So I, I don't want to go too far down that tangent. We can we can dig down that if you want. But your your philosophy of things, your common sense, your the ground on which you reason has to be solid. I think there's some excellent points there. I'm really interested in common sense modeling, continuous common sense modeling and steering close to the deeper meaning as being an aid to that common sense modeling. That's a really great notion to meditate on. Um, let me ask you this final question, Mike. What do you think are the potential results if we do not reason honestly? This is a very important question because I believe that we're playing in this particular war, this soft war that we're in. I think we're playing for all the marbles. So it's important to get this right. The most important hazard of not reasoning honestly is that people can lie to you using facts, using the truth. So we talked before about seeing deeply and that allowing you to kind of see through illusions, to see past intentional misdirection, to see through the magic trick. And the same thing is true often of listening you're you kind of you're making sure that you're, you're really focusing on what's there but honest reasoning you see is a higher order kind of discipline and therefore the hazards of that discipline are also of a higher order because now what someone can do is they can show you the truth they can show you something that really is happening and they can tell you a lie based on that thing you know it's what you're seeing is really there it is really the truth it's just that you've come to a faulty conclusion. And in fact, worse yet, if the people showing you these facts are aware of how you reason, then they can show you a specific set of truths in order to induce you to come to a specific set of higher order conclusions. So they can lie to you in such a way that they can kind of move you around the chessboard based on what they're showing you. And then and then if someone else comes who does know how to reason honestly or who is reasoning on who has disciplined themselves to reason honestly they'll look at you and say well hey man come, come on so and so is lying to you and you'll say well what are you talking about <laughs> you, you, are you some kind of conspiracy nut are you some they're obviously telling me these true facts look is this true is this true is this yes it's all true well what's the problem well the problem is that you you're building the wrong conclusions based on those things you know, an obvious example that I've been aware of for a while is that progressives, what we used to call progressives, are often coming to bad conclusions using facts, using facts that are just true, using, in other words, using a correct historical reading. The race question is very much, the so-called race question is very much in the news everywhere. And that's maybe the most uh, salient example of how people come to bad conclusions based on facts. You know, we can agree that slavery happened, for example, chattel slavery was, was a real thing. We can agree that racism exists. We can agree. We can look at all these historical facts. But the people showing us these facts are not reasoning honestly about those facts. They're coming to conclusions that actually don't make any sense. And the thing is that they are convincing, especially young people who have been miseducated, who have not been taught how to reason. And these young people, armed with these scraps of truth, are developing faulty higher order pictures of society. And those higher order pictures right, are blinding them to what is actually going on. So these are some of the potential hazards of not 
reasoning well, not reasoning honestly. Your enemy will have yet another more subtle way to manipulate you. And it'll be more difficult to break free of that because it won't be as if he is lying to you directly. Reasoning is a higher order art. And when the enemy wishes to corrupt your reasoning, the lies he tells you are going to be of a higher order and they're going to be constructed out of baseline truths. Well, I think there's some great advice there and some great explanations. Initially, I'm just getting that honest reasoning is beyond crucial. I mean, it allows you to move correctly through life and to course correct when necessary. And also, as you say, if you're in the habit of reasoning honestly, then you can spot those who are not. And these people need to be identified and they need to be called out. So it is a it is a crucial skill and one that one that adults I think need to work on and be mindful that the young people are not learning this in the edu- education establishments of That's the day. Correct. That's correct. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mike. Uh, that's the third piece of the Foundation is Puzzle explained and, and put in place. Just remind us again where, where we can find more about Foundationism online. You can go to our website at www.futurad.io. Okay, thank you. Well, next week, Mike and I will come together again to explore the fourth precept of Foundationism, and that is speak clearly. Mike, until next week, thank you very much again. Thank you, brother. This is always a pleasure. Me too. Terrific.